I love the smell of my pump in the morning. Did you first play? I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film. Hey there, hi there, ho there to all those uh, nape heads. What are our hypothetical fans? What, are, what do we call them? Palm, palm heads? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we need it. We need a good uh, Palmers. We need a good non pejorative name for uh, our thousands of listeners um, so they can uh, get together um, on uh, Parlor and talk to each other. <laughs> Uh, topical topical for those if you lose time machine (laughs) don't don't (laughs) that was a thing in november it's gonna go away uh Uh, maybe we'll see hey so uh so how how you doing there matt i'm doing oh just fantastic and yeah it's good to be good to be back and diving into one of my favorite yeah yeah matt's a real matt's a real nixonian a real uh uh, you spent a lot of they call us Nick's Nick's heads. Nick's, yeah, Nick's heads. They, yeah, you guys follow each other around on uh, summer tours. Um, right. Uh, we we jest, but Matt has spent a, a lot of time in the uh, it, with Nixon and his archives. Uh, is that right, Matt? Yeah, not in California, but at the National Archives, definitely. And um, yeah, it's a uh, fascinating uh, historical figure of uh, kind of recent American history and. Uh, obviously, uh, Vietnam is is quite a big part of his uh, legacy. So yeah, m- we will be diving into Matt's that tried to model today. a lot of his a lot of his uh, emulate Nixon and a lot of the way he is and behaves. So uh, that's that's been that's been a ch- that's been a challenge at times. Uh, you. You yeah, have, my you have, uh, my mustache soaks up the my upper lip sweat, so that's <laughs> kind of I have that going. You also for me, had loving but. parents, so uh, <laughs> you aren't as crippled emotionally as as, uh, as Tricky Dick. Uh, poor guy, oh, too soon. Um, hey, we're why are we talking about all this stuff? Because we are doing uh, Oliver Stone's 1995 Nixon. Yeah, this was a uh, this was a uh, this was a big old film in '95. We had. Uh, the, I mean, we were listening to um, Smash Mouth. What were we doing in 1995? It was simpler times. Uh, uh, yeah, 95. I was. Um, oh, I, I guess I would have been uh, welcoming Michael Jordan back from his first retirement, <laughs> um, begging my dad to let me go see Pearl Jam at Soldier Field and getting rejected. Mm. Um, yeah. Ouch. So. Yeah. Uh, good <laughs> yes. Times. Fun fact: They uh, played on the same stage that the Grateful Dead played their last ever concert at, at Soldier Field. Chicago. Okay. Well, now you now you know. Yeah. If you, <laughs> Matt could start a whole separate podcast about uh, all of those things. I <laughs> would prefer to, but uh, you know, there's not funding for that. Yeah, the money's so. in this, really. Um. So, so <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> it's a get get rich slow scheme, <laughs> podcasting. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so we so we got uh, we got Anthony Hopkins the the um, when does uh, science science of lambs is before before this right it's ninety yeah science of lambs probably ninety one um, 
I'm so thinking. he's he's a big deal, um, Hopkins. Uh, he plays uh, Tricky Dick Nixon, um, Joan Allen as his wife, and um, and then you've got some pretty great, um, um, a lot of big names. Yeah, James Woods as as uh, H. R. Haldeman, um, J. T. Walsh as Ehrlichman, and Servino as Kissinger. Who does who does a great? I mean, I hadn't I had not. You, you know, there's a lot of impersonations, but. Um, his was his was really good. Did you like his? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's fantastic at it. He's got the the vocal inflections, the kind of mannerisms and everything down. So yeah, Pow, Pow, Powers Booth, one of my favorites, is as Hag, and you've got uh, um, Fraser Crane. Wait, no, what's the uh, David Hyde Pierce has uh, <laughs> David Hyde Pierce? Johnny, that was a weird casting. <laughs> That's the wrong Crane. Yeah, yeah that. Niles, 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 Niles Crane. Yeah, so so you got you got a bunch of people in this. Um, and uh, Bob Bob uh, Hoskins is Hoover, right? The, yeah, yeah. You got oh Mary Steenburgen as his mom with with we'll get to this with some of the weirdest like uh, Quaker accent that uh, that she that she puts on. Um, and uh, and in fact, if I, if I was a is it Quaker? Possibly a Quaker racist. That was uh, that was a bit of a Quaker face. She puts on oat face, uh, Matt, to to play that role. And I <laughs> oat face. <laughs> I thought they had to take that off their packaging. Yeah. didn't they do that? Yeah, exactly. She she really uh, um, no. It's a no, but, but it, it's it's a huge cast. I mean, you've got like George Plimpton. There's there's a uh, Madeline Kahn. I mean, um, anyway, down the down the line. So it's a uh, yeah they. Um, it's a sprawling, um, this is what, 14 hours? How long is this movie, Dr. Yeagle? Yeah, that, that was the opening credits. Um, I had the pleasure of viewing the director's cut, so I think I added an extra half hour on my version. You came in a, at a, in a crisp um, uh, four hours. It was three hours and, it was three hours and 45 minutes, I think, so... I mean, I mean, we're, we're used to that. This is, this is before the, uh, uh you know... This would have been probably serialized today. It would have been out on Netflix and would have been um, probably episodic. Yeah, that that would be a good venue for it. I think uh, actually telling the history. Back in '95, you had to sit in a theater, and that was the only way to get. And then you rented the VHS tape. Coronavirus. Yeah. The only way to get coronavirus. <laughs> uh, no, there's many other ways. There's lots of um, going to a crowded theater is definitely a good one. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, when they're listening to this, uh, Pfizer will have solved that problem. So uh, um, this, yeah, as long as it's negative eighty degrees, yeah. just inject that right into your veins, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, twice, um, twice. We see the results. So uh, you know, so <laughs> this is the longest <laughs> intro ever. Okay. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've really been teasing this out, uh, but. Um, here, let me let me tease it out even longer. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, make a movie request. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, troll me to tell to tell us that we're, that we're awful, terrible humans. Where can they Where can they Any find us? Man? Cool. Hit us on the Twitter uh, at Napalm Podcast, uh, and yeah, I, I'm I'm there. I'm looking looking. Yeah. What are your What are your good, so. bad, and the ugly films that you want to see? Not good, bad, and the ugly. We probably won't do that one, but. We um we're we're interested in suggestions. Um, we've got uh, we've got some. W- we might ignore them, but <laughs> right. we, we we might. might but we'll uh, um 
we like to engage and uh first person that makes a request let's make a pledge we'll do it how about that? i i like where you're headed although i'm nervous about the sociopath why did i just say that okay, okay. if it's yeah. if it's a oh, vietnam God, we're gonna get f- f- war related film that is that we're able to talk about <laughs> <laughs> without a without an explicit warning um we Are there porn that. parodies of Vietnam? There must be. Uh, Vietnam War. Uh, you know, hit us up with that on Twitter, at Napalm Podcast, if you find a good uh, Vietnam War porn parody. Uh. Yeah, I'm thinking of names right now, but I'm not going to say them on the air. So, um, that That's why we need Troy. But Yeah, yeah, he, oh, well, we'll have... He's not, he's not here this week. We'll have him... him he's here to... <laughs> he's here in spirit. Stuff. We'll have him back soon. He's the id of the podcast. He's drinking spirits, I think, yeah. <laughs> Um, the, uh, so, so, you know, Oliver Stone, um, is, is a, is a pretty famous for his stylist as a, as a, as a filmmaker, heavy into, uh, um, kind of controversy, you know, you can have quotes or not on that. Um, uh, conspiracy theories play a big part of, you know, kind of, uh, um, in his, in his, in his movie making, um, so, so, and this one is, this one is no different, although he dips, uh, um, how would you, how yeah. would you, uh, how would you give him Mark's map for, um, uh, dapping, dipping into actual history? Sure. So, I mean, we've covered Stone when we covered Platoon and that is, you know, not conspiratorial at all. It's almost like kind of semi-autobiographical for, uh, Stone. This is, you know, you could maybe look at it as like a follow-up to JFK or something if you wanted yeah. to. It's closer which to that. Which is, um, man, maybe more out there than Nixon. Um, maybe a better movie, but uh, more out there in conspiratorial land. Um, this, so we're looking at it from a historical point of view. There are a lot of things that they do real well and will talk about those as we go in more specifics there's a lot of stuff that is definitely kind of attempting to sort of see into the mind of a person that well i guess when the movie came out uh, nixon died in 94 so who was dead when the movie came out trying to see into his brain uh, and and kind of look for maybe motives uh, and things like that for a lot of this, his actions, his paranoia, which is a real thing, his you know hatred of the press, which is a, a real thing. Um, yeah. So, you know, Nixon, I think, is a good historical character for playing into these conspiracy theories because there's a lot of there is darkness to him and his character. Um, and you have the ba- and you the have movie, the backdrop of the Cold War, Cuba. Um, at the CAA's activities, oh, yeah. and you know, there, there's, there's, there, there's no shortage of, of, of actual, mm-hmm. um, you know, mischief and subversion as foreign policy, um, in and out. So, so he, he's a kind of a classic character. Um, yeah. Now the movie doesn't. It's not hundred percent, you know, negative toward Nixon or anything. It, it I think it attempts to a degree to be. I don't know, balanced. Um, or, or to humanize or, or to explain the psychology. Yeah, maybe explain, but even like things that he does pretty well, which you could say in some aspects of his foreign policy, for example, um, he is not, th- that's not 
really looked at in great depth in the movie. Uh, his domestic policies, uh, you know, EPA, clean air, clean water, you know, that stuff's not really there. Um, right. He glasses, glosses over with the with the Texas visit, which we'll talk about. But, yeah, but it's not like a, a huge part of his. Uh, yeah. So we'll go. Yeah. We'll we'll hit so, some so specifics it, it, as we get it, to it. It opens up um, in in. Uh, there's lots of uh, if you're fans of uh, uh, Inceptions or flashbacks within flashbacks. Uh, there's a lot of that in this movie. Oh man! <laughs> so it's it's jumping around. Um, but we open um, behind the scenes before the the water gate break in, and it kind of it kind of quickly goes from like um, the montage really over the credits of. Speeding up through the arrest, the resignation of Agnew, the presidential tapes, um, and yeah, this stuff is kind of uh, maybe a faux br- try, trying to play the part of like a fake news broadcast, like yeah. sort of narrating things as you go. And this voice, fake newscast voice, is there in the entire film. Yeah, sort of like filling in gaps and things. Yeah, like so that it's it's right. It gives the viewer like, hey, we're going to go through a lot of this in depth in the film, but let's a quick. Um, you know, kind of breaking news, headlines flashing over, um, you know, team giving an update on Howard Hunt, uh, you know, one of the plumbers who works as a consultant at the White House. Uh, and um, disc- former CIA. Yeah. Discussion of paying off informants. Um, you know, so 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 we we hear this kind of in the very initial scene we're we're led to the right to the tipping point of um, Nixon and his tapes, uh, which will play yeah. a huge role in um, really bringing down the White House of um, smoking guns. Um, right. Now, they don't show the break-in. Is not. They show the plotters talking about it right when they're about ready to go do the act. Uh, but that act is not actually shown in the film. And I believe Stone said that he, he felt that all the president's men with uh, Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman... Do, they do show the break-in in that film, and he's thought that they did that very well. So he thought that's been done. So we don't. There's a there's a later again. there's uh, a later clip in the film where they're showing like them looking through papers in at the, at the water, but it's not the actual. Yeah, it doesn't actually follow the um, Mission Impossible kind of break-in um, at the at yeah. the at the facilities. So so that that so Nixon, um, you know, basically the kind of framing device is Nixon listened to these tapes. Of kind of past past deeds, um, and s- some criminal, some not, and that sets us in a series of flashbacks that sort of will now we'll travel back in time um, through the uh, life of, of Richard Nixon uh, eventually, and then and then back up to mm-hmm. his um, um, this denouement and spoiler alert his resignation. <laughs> well, man. Yeah, should I, did I, did I, I say too much? I gotta, I gotta read a book. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't know presidents could had to could leave office. I thought they just stayed as long as they wanted. Well, and sometimes they're they are for the good of the country. They um, they act um at the good advice of of those around them to uh, to step down even. So that's a I don't know if you know that that's that's a thing that can happen, but that that did happen. Interesting. Um. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that, that's weird. So, um, you know, the we get um, there's there's it's non sequential. There's like weird flashbacks from like 
Nixon-Kennedy debate, you know, and Nixon, like, sort of flounders and flops sweat. There's a lot of sweating in this movie, Matt. How do you feel about that? Uh, pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> he was a sweater, and that is definitely uh, <laughs> something that, that he did. He kind of ha- would have the handkerchief that he would kind of dab on his upper lip. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Uh, if, if, if that was ca- coming, but... Yeah, there's uh, there's some um, there's some you know scenes of like uh, 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 Richard and Pat, his wife, in the in the bedroom, um, lamenting the loss and uh, of the of the uh, his gubernatorial sixty sixty two that was his that was his and he lost the governor of California. So following the loss, so the nineteen sixty uh, election, Nixon is he's kind of the. He's the vice president of Eisenhower running against Kennedy, senator from Massachusetts, and really, really close election. Nixon, you know, there's claims that there was ballot stuffing, election fraud, and yeah, things like that. Um, but he loses. His big comeback move is going to be to run for governor in California, and he loses that. And so it sort of seems like. Maybe maybe this is it, and he kind of says says that in the film too, um, that he's done. And then we have that famous uh, scene where he meets the press following his defeat. All right, so let's listen to uh, Nixon addressing the press after his uh, gubernatorial defeat in 1962. It's pretty iconic. People say, "Isn't it a come down having run for president?" almost made it to run for governor. The answer is I'm proud to run for governor. Uh, I would like to have won. Uh, I believe Governor Brown has a heart, uh, even though he believes I does not. Uh, I believe he is a good American, even though he feels I am not. I wish him well, and uh, for once, gentlemen, I would appreciate if you would write what I'm saying. For 16 years, you've had a lot of fun. You've, you've had an opportunity to uh, to attack me, and I think I've given as good as I've taken. But as I leave you, <laughs> just think how much you're going to be missing. You don't have Nixon <laughs> to kick around anymore. Because, gentlemen, this is my last press conference. Thank you, gentlemen, and good day. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> so, and that's in the in the film. Um, I think maybe even. Word for word, um, that that scene and Stone, I think, does a nice job of weaving in these these dialogue from actual events. Um, so, if you're talking about some a conversation in the Oval Office or something like that, if it was after February '71, it's probably on tape. So he actually uses a lot of the dialogue from the tapes, uh, at least the tapes that were accessible when he was writing the movie um, to to inform that. And so, you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, now, there was one, the scene right before that, that scene in the film that we, we just saw is, is kind of Nixon getting getting loaded in the hotel room. <laughs> and uh, I liked, I thought it was interesting because he was, you know, jamming out, rocking on the piano, playing, um, he was playing the intro to Locomotive Breath by Jethro Tull, which it wasn't even come out till 1971, so I don't know. Oh, good he, catch. Yeah, he wrote that in 1962, maybe. But um, and then it's just him yelling the word cocksucker over and over again, <laughs> pretty much. So the 
theme of Nixon and his naughty tongue is uh, going to come up several times in the in the movie. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a naughty naughty boy. Yeah, I mean we've we've gotten over that. Our presidents don't talk like that anymore. Um, so thankfully, this was this is you know, um, this is the kind of thing, Matt. That I don't know if you've know this, but NASA has chosen our podcast to be sent into space with the next uh, Apollo mission and uh, to 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 the nearest star. And so when they hear this <laughs> next Apollo mission, oh wow, there's a new Apollo, <laughs> and then. Um, you know, like for those uh, other beings, listen to this. Like we don't. That only happened one time in American politics. Well, foul mouth uh, president. So, um, naughty, naughty. There's a, there's a. We, we, we should say. Um, Pat Nixon makes a big appearance here. We're gonna have a whole. Uh, you know, grab your seats, grab your, uh, hide your wives, hide your children. This is gonna be a, a blowout podcast. A whole nother part do. Uh, of this one, or bring your wife and several yeah, children. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, as well. <laughs> right? You, they're, they're this. I don't think we because this is a man's only podcast. We're on our. We're no. We're on our best behavior because we have oh. famed, uh, famed here. historian and and author Heath Hartage Lee, um, who is working on a working on a um, biography of Pat Nixon, who pops into the podcast um, and. Uh, is going to give us uh, the, all the down down low information about uh, Pat Nixon. So stay tuned for that after this. Um, but uh, but we got some we got some uh, some of my funny scenes just be- that I like in the movie because in a, in an ironic way because they're kind of so weird. Is the um, uh, did you get the sense that he's trying to psychologize Nixon, which is not wrong to do, but it's very like almost sort of Citizen Kane. I expected to see sort of like. Rosebud sled at the end, like sort of like you know that like the, it was a very like this the his brothers and his mother and father will pay these these ghosts um, haunting him. But, yeah, uh, they're so they're there the entire time. Like uh, you don't ever get away from mommy and and the brothers. They're they're popping up throughout the film. Um, yeah, they die from certain parts. They die from COVID. What do uh, they die from? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it was tuberculosis. I think TB. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah. So so we have like a Nixon in the twenties. His and and his youth. He's getting. Uh, there's a scene where he's like scolded for smoking, um, a cigarette and um, and for lying about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's a foreshadow much um, uh, there in that. And, uh, you know, they have weird um, King James kind of accents, like uh, Mary Steenburgen is like, you know, thou art a chosen child, um, Richard. Thou must behavest uh, and and doeth the word of the Lord. Like, she's, she's, really, she's really laying on the, the... And then Nixon said, shut up, Mom. <laughs> exactly. Calls her a cocksucker, which I thought was... Leave me alone. Um, yeah, cocksucker. <laughs> which I thought was weird. He doesn't really. Um, so, but but it, it, uh, it emphasizes a serious religious sort of um, Quaker family. Um, which is a backdrop for him, which I don't, I don't think... You know, having that as his background, I think, is important in his life. Religion doesn't seem to be a big deal to him 
you know, once he, you know, as president no. or anything like that. He will use it for his for political purposes. Um, he's famously very close to um, Reverend Graham, but um, the you know, in his personal life, you know, as an adult, it's it's not really all that doesn't seem to be all that relevant. A, spare amount, a fair amount of time is spent um, showing Nixon playing football and uh, getting used to the tackling dummy. The tackling dummy. <laughs> yeah, and so I, thought, I think that line is said I thought, about eight or nine <laughs> times in the movie. <laughs> I thought that was a little on the nose about trying to like, you know, like, oh, yes, this is why Nixon felt like he was always under seizure. I don't know. Um, do we know if he was really beat up in the on the – I mean, he, he would say that. Um later a lot but uh mm-hmm. yeah well, i think the resentments that he carried from you know only going to duke for law school and oh i'm just from whittier i'm not like these harvard yes. boys or whatever yeah that stuff was there i mean and that i think informed a lot of his the sort of animosity that he felt toward the that segment of society which you know in the world of politics and you know advisors and specialists and in, in state department or whoever right that's a these are a lot of these people so he's he's um, he's un, he's so unlike a lot of politicians we see today in the sense that like he really came from he came from nothing you know his dad was a uh, a, a grocer and then they had a uh, famously a, a failing lemon um plantation right that they ran and uh yeah Sold it and uh, they found oil under it uh, right after. Right, right after. Which I think it was not true, but um, that's what he said anyway many times. And so, so he he has a massive chip on his shoulder against, um, you know, Harvard elites and uh, and the Kennedys and the kind of that clan and that ilk. He really, um, really does not like, um, you know, and 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 uh, you can you see that you see that boil over the film and and I think I think yeah, I think. You know more about Nixon than I do, the historical figure, but that seemed that's I think I think Stone doesn't he gets that right. I don't think he overemphasizes that. I think that's a real. I think it's definitely there. Some of the Kennedy stuff may be overemphasized, but he was definitely paranoid about the Kennedys. That's definitely true, and um, they're kind of always around. Uh, you know, when he's his, it's kind of like. You know, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, right? They're there at the same time. You can Google that, you young kids. Um, <laughs> find out who they are. Um, but you know, right when Nixon's get, he comes into the to political office the same same year that uh, JFK does, right? Um, it becomes con- right right after the war, the yeah. Um, and so he's there until he's killed. Then Bobby Kennedy is sort of seen as the next in line. He's running for president in 68 against him, and, and then Teddy is still there. Uh, well, he and then Teddy's there kind of up until, what, 2010, right? But... Um, yeah, and they... So yeah. yeah the, so, yeah, the, the... Right, the Kennedys are a huge... Um, and, and part of the... Con- we'll, and we'll talk about this when we get there, but, you know, there's a, sort of this this Dallas um, sort of group of, of sort of rich... Oilmen and others who uh, are, you know, power brokers who, um, and along with yeah, Cubans, the John Birchers. Um, yeah, 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 right. It's kind of John Birchers meshed with uh, Cuban exiles, and and it's imp- so this is the hardcore right wing of the party at the time, and 
there you know there's one actual line in 63 when Nixon is sort of in this you know not sure what to do I'm going to maybe just go be a lawyer um and not be involved with politics he's talking to uh Nelson Rockefeller at a party Nelson Rockefeller is moderate Republican for his time, you know, nowadays that would probably be what the equivalent of AOC or something. Um, and said every time the Republican Party is home to extremism, we lose the goddamn election. Uh, quote from the film, uh, and that's referencing Goldwater, who becomes the nominee in 1964, um, and who was super extreme uh, at the time. Now, over over the next decade or so, that extremism becomes more mainstreamed and 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 uh i mean for a bit of a historical background for our listeners also is that that nixon nixon becomes sort of famous as a sort of a young up-and-comer uh congressman especially his you know pursuing alger hiss and uh uh in the sort of the red scare um you know nixon is is a hardcore kind of persecutor of of the commies and yeah. so it's it's not it's not out of line for these uh, so the John Birch sort of society members to think that he is uh, he's going to be um, he's going to be on board right he's not one of those sort of pinkos yeah and you know or in his day in the you know fifties or whatever he you know he's a conservative Republican um, the definition of what it means to be conservative you know at that time is is far different than what it means now. Um, the, the you know we can talk maybe Dude. about that later but um it uh yeah it very much shifts and changes do we know so uh, and the 60s is when that changes do, do we know so there there's a there's a there's a scene um moving ahead a little where um sort of nixon's at the at the at the ranch with some of the you know oilmen and rich folk and john birch and cuban exiles and um you know he's he he gets awkwardly hit on and and uh what does he say? Like, I'm not, uh, what is he, uh, I'm not, I'm not Jack Kennedy or what? I can't remember what he says. What does he say? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. They're <laughs> talking about music. Uh, yeah. I like jazz. Yeah. What do you, do you like? What about Elvis Presley? Oh, he's good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. And then, yeah, my notes I have, uh, and then the psycho convention starts, uh, trying to convince him to run, run yeah. the president that year. Do, do we, so. I mean, he has, he's pretty ambitious. Like they imply that like, this is where he gets the germ to run for president. Like I, that was, con- this is conjecture, right? Like, or, or, or not. He was never going to run. He was never going to run in 64. Uh, and I think what he says in there is like, uh, he says in the film, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to be Jack Kennedy. You know, not possible. And then, you know, one of the Cuban exiles says, uh, well, suppose yeah. uh, Kennedy doesn't run. Huh? Yeah, suppose and Kennedy's a like, one-term yeah, president. Wh- why Why would he not run? You know, that's insane. And uh, then it's just kind of a, you know, right. Wink, and wink, then, nod, right. Nod. And then like, we, these we guys know Dallas and up. him getting shot. Like, so it's a very... Uh, um, right. Well, Nixon was in... Th- that was in Dallas. Yeah. Nixon left that exact morning from Dallas... Um, right before Kennedy arrived. Um, and so, yeah, that's... So, anyways, that gets into the Stone conspiratorial sort of stuff, like Nixon's hanging out with the assassins who are birchers, exiles, maybe working with the CIA since they're Cuban exiles, had yeah. that connection. Um, and... Yeah, and then, and then conveniently... 
Kennedy gets assassinated the very next day. Yeah, so it was uh, um, right. But there, 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 you know, that's I mean, it, it's part. I mean, he's making a movie, so he's got to you know, he's got to sell tickets here. Um, uh, Vietnam plays a big part now. I mean, you know, we're we're moving ahead to, of course, the mid '60s, where um, the U.S. involvement in Vietnam is uh, uh, is real, and um, you know, they have sort of scenes of you know LBJ his sort of um, famous whatever the price um, you know we'll we will we will win the day we'll we'll send our boys into Vietnam um, uh, up into him him you know n- not seeking the nomination for right um, well we've yeah we've talked about that in previous podcasts um, and the way they frame it in this movie is you know Nixon's watching him on TV he learns about that you know, when we all do, and they kind of frame it in the film like, oh, he sees this now as an opening opportunity to run, right? In reality, he had been kind of working behind the scenes since 66 to sort of get his election up and running. Um, but, uh, yeah, then we get one of my favorite scenes in the in the film, then Nixon and his aides, they are pumped up. Oh, yeah, we're going to run it. We're going to win, baby. Woo! High fives all around. You know, they're just get the cigars out. Let's, you know, having some booze. Let's party. <laughs> and then, oh, wait. Shit, nobody nobody told Pat, did they? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, there's an awkward, uh, there's an awkward um, Pat. And then we, we, we talk about this in, in part two a lot. But, yeah, they, they have some, uh, some you know, the, the uh, and you'll hear the, the one, someone who knows it better than most, Heath Lee, talk about how well or or not they 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 get pat but let's just say for the <laughs> sake of storytelling you have one of the quickest flips in uh in movie history of of pat nixon going from i want a divorce if you're running to you know high-fiving let's do this together um win this presidency well i love like john mitchell uh says right before he goes to talk to pat like you know we need her dick like you know she's real valuable on the campaign. Like gotta gotta have her, get her on board, and then don't worry, I'll use the old Nixon charm. <laughs> and he gives that kind of <laughs> wink, and it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, we get it. He has no charm. He's like the most awkward dude like there is. Like, right, we get it. Pretty pretty funny, but uh, yeah, yeah. Give me yeah. a pause. Give me a pause here, real quick. I gotta get a beer. All right, Matt and I are back. We had a little, we had a little beer break. Oh, some sweet tones. <laughs> I mean, this movie was made in the '90s, so you're gonna have. It's not. There are several of them. It's yeah. not. It's not as montage heavy as uh, as I would like from an an, an '80s kid, but um, it's got them. It's got them, ladies and gentlemen. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So. All right. Let's let's so pick yeah. up. I think we we got Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover, who is uh, Bob Hoskins from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit fame, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And uh, Clyde, this scene I th- I was not long, but it was real. It just seemed almost pointless. Um, it's just Hoover and Clyde, who's his uh, lover, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, they really they really play up the 
how how gay Hoover is, you know, in the in the Stone yeah. version. So they're just talking talking shit about Nixon and you know, Nixon's talking about healing the divisions in the country and then they cut to um <laughs> like the pool boy feeding oh, him so cringy. fruit out of his mouth and then <laughs> the scene's over. It's like <laughs> I know. Why that's such an artifact. I was just advancing the plot. I well, don't it's not. It's it. such an artifact of like still like homosexuality is is a weird aberration kind of. And and I'm not saying the the you know obviously for for the you know director of the FBI um, you know he had he couldn't be openly openly gay, but it's uh, a more nuanced treatment. This movie be now, I think that would be a it would be a better. Sort of not just because he's gay doesn't mean he's going to be eating fruit out of Latino boys' mouths at the. <laughs> it's just so weird. Well, they Leo Leonardo DiCaprio played Hoover in. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's movie, right. Which is much more recent, and I did not. I don't. Re- I've only seen it once. I don't remember any fruit scene, but maybe it was there. I don't know. Yeah, and so um, hit us up on Twitter at Napalm Podcast right. if you know um, or if you have any historical evidence for that. I could see a Reddit thread of correcting Matt. Um, I'd like to I'd like to <laughs> like to imagine there's a and and, and Eric of oh, course. Good. Um, oh good. So so um, the oh you for you you forgot Matt. You skipped ahead. There's the great uh, sort of um, Nixon, you know, performing well under fire in in a debate, and so. Uh, there's these kind of uh, um, you get you get some of the sort of good old famous racism uh, from the, oh is this the town hall the town hall yeah that they're running okay they've engineered kind of a good uh, you know they've chosen who's going to be in the audience of this you know diverse town hall is supposed to be but they these are ringers these are uh, supposed to be and then uh, all of their kind of softball questions to Nixon and then. Um, African American gentleman um, stands up and gives him the business about the war and other otherwise, right? Yeah, divisions within the country, um, which Nixon, according to the questioner, was yeah. exploiting, nursing uh, yeah. for political gain, and yeah, uh, definitely true, <laughs> definitely, definitely true, and and. Um, yeah, the HR Haldeman has some nice uh expletives yeah. to say about this. And um, and that and that if you listen to the Nixon tapes and we'll listen to some of them, uh you know, they're um those expletives are there <laughs> are, are you know that that that's that's probably not an editorial license. Those are um that's the kind of thing that would have gone on behind the scenes um at a at a at a town hall um but yeah, so so one and one of the one of the uh, another another montage um, that is the sort of the Kennedy assassinations and then and then um, you know Bobby Kennedy being assassinated um, and you know you have uh, you know what, is, what does Nixon say? Death cleared a path through the wilderness just for me to win the win the election. Um, so, mm-hmm. And and so Vietnam uh, is going to sink. Uh, it's going to sink the Democrats, and um, and then and then four deaths. So we have the Kennedys, and then and then his and yeah. his brothers. Right, and Stone falls into the trap that I think I don't know 
most idealistic Democrats like to do when they look back historically on uh, Bobby Kennedy and think he was going to be some sort of savior and win the election in 68 and blah, 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 blah. Um, right. It would have changed everything. He probably wouldn't have won the nomination, most likely. Right. There, this is a time before they were really doing many primaries. So this is still the era when party bosses in smoke-filled rooms are deciding, for the most part, who the candidate's going to be. And so who ended up getting the nomination? Hubert Humphrey, who didn't even campaign. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, su- I suppose it's possible it would have gone to Bobby. But Yeah, I mean, it's, you, know, you, think of like the, you think of all of the, 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 the high hopes uh, of, of the Obama administration of, like, you know, um, give, giving peace Pink a chance Floyd. and withdrawing... Um, with withdrawing our obligations abroad and uh you know that just didn't happen and so um yeah i think that some of those some of the it's kennedy bobby is is we can we can only imagine he died um uh early enough that we can still lionize and and yeah yeah and it's uh, i mean i i i think um if bobby were the nominee versus uh nixon i think it's he he maybe would have won. I don't. It's so hard to say. Um, that war was pretty unpopular. And yeah. the the idealism of of Bobby, uh, I I think is something that I think you can kind of look back and admire. Um, but right, he still <laughs> has has plenty of shade in in his his background too. Um, yeah. Anyways, we're off on a sort of tangent. <laughs> I but, guess um, I guess corridor napalm. We get some, and I'll. I'll put a little. I'll put a little background music here, Matt. Because speaking of montage, we got a we got some serious Vietnam uh, montage, right? That that um, you know Nixon Nixon saying that uh, you know the war is gonna um, is gonna deliver uh, it's gonna deliver the presidency, and that's not how, how I mean counterfactually how how true is that? Like, do you think that if if Vietnam is not on the t- did what delivered the, pr- the the presidency more to Nixon? Was it the war more than anything else? Uh, culture. Okay, so that that war, I would say that culture war. Uh, just to be frank, uh, race in America. Um, this is coming after the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, and you know a huge block of Democrats in the South stop voting for Democrats and start voting for Republicans almost, you know, and, and you see the shift because the Republicans are, you know, utilizing this Southern strategy, right? Let's kind of reach out to these so-called disaffected white working class voters uh, who have been Democrats for, you know, since the Civil War. Um, And... Let's reach out to them. And so, I mean, this is when the parties kind of shift, right? This sort of, the shift in the in the parties and party identification is sort of happening. Um, this old New Deal coalition of, of liberals, uh, you know, maybe Northeast liberals uh, like Roosevelt uh, and South, so the former Confederacy in the South were conservative uh, and against any, anything related to civil rights at all. You know, labor. Uh, you know, it's this broad right. Abraham coalition. Lincoln, Republican, like versus yeah, Southern Democrat. So that that coalition breaks 
And and sixty eight's when it goes to a head, right? So sixty eight, you know, you got Tet Offensive, you got Martin Luther King assassination, Bobby Kennedy assassination, you got the riots in Chicago at the Democratic Convention. So that party, you know, those cops that are beating up the kids in Chicago are Democrats. Those kids that are getting beat up protesting are Democrats. The party is breaking in half. So, you know, you have a third party candidate, George Wallace, who's a former Democrat, governor of Alabama, right? Same guy who stood in front of the school door and said segregation now, segregation forever, right? Him is running third party, right? And he wins the southern states in that election. And otherwise, between Nixon and, and Humphrey, it's real close, you know. It's within a whisker of, you know, it's it's essentially a tie. Okay, Nixon barely wins. But if Wallace doesn't run, Nixon's going to get, I would say, the majority of those votes. And it wouldn't have been nearly so close. And then what, what happens in 1972, not to get too far ahead of us, right? You've essentially the largest landslide in history. Eight years after Lyndon Johnson wins, as a pretty liberal Democrat, almost the largest landslide in history in 64. So within that eight-year period, the entire country essentially flips upside down. So I would put most of it on race. And, and I think I th- if there's, if there's a, a criticism to be leveled at this film, um, it's, that, it's that race is not nearly um, a character enough. You know, that like it's not, I mean, there, there's, there's some of it there. Aside from the end bombs that Nixon is <laughs> yeah, dropping. Right, right. But it, it's not, um, right, the, the, the way that, you know, they, this montage of sort of, you know, you know invasion of Cambodia, you need more assassination, you know, quote, hit him in the nuts. The Let's listen. I mean, Nixon talks about these divisions in his acceptance speech for the uh, 1968 nomination for uh, the Republican Party. So let's let's take a quick listen. And he's talking about these exact divisions in that. And this great group of Americans, the forgotten Americans and others know that the great question Americans must answer by their votes in November is this whether we shall continue for four more years the policies of the last five years. And this is their answer. And this is my answer to that question. When the strongest nation in the world can be tied down for four years in a war in Vietnam with no end in sight, when the richest nation in the world can't manage its own economy, when the nation with the greatest tradition of the rule of law is plagued by unprecedented lawlessness, when a nation has been known for a century where equality of opportunity is torn by unprecedented racial violence, and when the President of the United States cannot travel abroad or to any major city at home without fear of a hostile demonstration, then it's time for new leadership for the United States of America. Yeah. Yeah, so he's tapping into that, and... Uh, He's yeah, he's playing the sort of pragmatist, um, you know, Vietnam. Not to discount the importance of Vietnam uh, in the election and and Nixon's sort of secret peace plan that he has that he you know can't I can't tell anybody about the plan because you know then you know the enemy would know about the plan and so I can't I can't tell you about the secret plan but I got a secret plan for peace, um, you know, I think that's that's significant. Um, but it, that's not going to sway, you know, a liberal or anything. Um, I think the culture war stuff uh, is is what matters. 
uh, more so, I would say. The, you know, the, the Vietnam War, it's obviously, you know, massively important. And you have mass protests pretty consistently, you know, starting in the mid-60s. Uh, and how that is received, though, by most, maybe not most, but just your average Joe or Jill or whoever is this is this is that lawlessness this these are these rabble rousing protesters um and you know that this same thing with uh race and race relations racial racial protests and things like that i mean we've just had this happen this past summer here right um maybe i agree with uh the idea of your message but you know your method is making me feel uncomfortable so therefore i'm not i'm not going to support you you know and king famously yeah. said to paraphrase him uh, I don't know the exact quote off the top of my head, but you know the the biggest enemy or the biggest threat to the movement is not you know the Klansman. It's the you know the your average housewife or your average middle class person who maybe agrees with us but doesn't like seeing us on the news at night, you know, protesting or something like that. So I think that works with um, with you know racial equality. I think it works with Vietnam that argument and the importance that it has in the election for Nixon. Now, there might have been another thing related to Vietnam, though, that was a big deal uh, in the very, very last days of the contest. All right, let's take a listen here. Including some of the old China lobby are going to the Vietnamese embassy and saying, please notify the president That's LBJ that if he'll Impulse. hold out to November the 2nd, they could get a better deal. Uh-huh. Now, I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. That's right. And they oughtn't to be doing this. This is treason. I know. Uh, I don't know whether it's Laird. I don't know who it is that uh, is putting it out. But here is the UPI 48 that came in tonight. Yeah. And I'm calling you only after talking to Rusk and Clifford and all of them who thought that somebody ought to be notified as to what's happening. Here's the yeah. here's the Nixon release. Yeah, yeah, so so, so this is uh, this is pretty incredible. Like that, one of the things that people should know and don't know. Like, what are we listening to here, Matt? It's Lyndon Johnson talking to Republican Senator Everett Dirksen from the great state of Illinois, and what he's referencing and it goes into more detail in in this tape and some other tapes too Johnson Nixon wasn't the only one of the tapes um talking about kind of a behind the scenes sort of attempt to sabotage peace talks that Johnson had been you know conducting in some earnest since you know March um and, and attempting to sabotage those peace talks say hey hold out you're going to get a better deal when I Nixon am president so Anna Chenault is is kind of the, so it's, it's, the person. It's Nixon sabotaging the LBJ's peace talks. Right. So it's not Nixon personally. He has a kind of a runner, if you will, Anna Chenault, who's going to the South Vietnamese embassy and getting word to Tu, uh, the president of South Vietnam, that hey, if you you know don't sign on to anything, uh, because if you hold out, you'll get you'll be in a stronger position with the deal that you'll that Nixon will negotiate. Okay. So. And and that is so. Let's be clear: to get political advantage back at and in the United States to 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 sway the election, um, 
Nixon, through a runner, is talking to the North Vietnamese about not accepting a South, peace South deal. South Vietnamese. South, sorry, South Vietnamese. about not accepting a peace deal. That's correct. That's pretty, um, I mean, <laughs> and Johnson says, like, that's treason. Well, I mean, what, going to a uh, foreign country and uh, (laughs) requesting help uh, in an election and against a political opponent? I mean, it's unheard of. I've never heard of such a thing. (laughs) Unheard of. Yeah, it's... I've I've never... Nope. Should I keep saying it over and over again? I've never... (laughs) Yeah, uh, who would do that? I'm like, seriously. Uh, You could get impeached for something like that. (laughs) And then acquitted easily. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> who who's to, who's to say? I mean, we've we, that's only happened one time in history. So that uh, right, the president's gone to. It was probably a perfect phone call. I'm <clears throat> guessing, anyways. But it was a perfect phone call. Perfect yeah, phone. that's right. Um, so the the um, we have another. Uh, you know, I know, I know, I know. Matt'll like this take. He's going to be bobbing his head here. Um, we see we see footage of uh, sort of, uh, of course, the infamous Kent State uh, incident of uh, May. Oh, I can't hear that. Turn it up. Oh yeah. Get Neil Young on, fit into every episode if possible. So I'll let that play in the background, Matt. T- tell us about this. Uh, I mean, Kent State sure. and so then this. Neil song. Young was hanging out with David Crosby, and they were uh, reading a Life magazine. Uh, kids, you can Google that one too. Uh, and you know they have the images from Kent State there, and Crosby's showing up with Neil. Goes for a walk in the Redwoods in California, comes back, writes a song in five minutes. Call up Graham Nash and Steven Stills, said, Book the studio time now, got the song. And, you know, in, what, I think it took 10 days maybe to get pressed and released, which uh, in that day is uh, real fast. It's not like today where you can just throw it on the up for streaming or whatever. Uh, so, pretty yeah, much that, immediately so after the Kent State, students are shot murdered in, in uh, demonstrating in Ohio by the National Guard and uh, uh, right. Crosby Seals National Demonstrating Young. against the uh, invasion of Cambodia. And so that, that is announced by uh, Nixon April 30th. Uh, and, you know, we have these, these these four kids killed there. Uh, shortly thereafter, two students at Jackson State University are also killed. And, you know, the young folk, right, young liberals, you know, might, might think everything's exploding. You know, polls show the most people supported Nixon's policies with respect to Vietnam. Um, so, yeah, we have, we have uh, this is supposed to be a temporary incursion into Cambodia to find the kind of fabled secret base of operations for North Vietnam. Uh, and Nixon announces an end date to it. It's just going to be until June 30th. It's off the top of my head, these dates. Hopefully they're right. Hit me up at Napalm Podcast if that's wrong. Um, 
And yeah, so yeah, there's temporary mass protests, but uh, the song is kind of written and it's, you know, become sort of a war protest song uh, that, that still lived on uh, and real meaningful and impactful to this day. Yeah, and so it, it you know, it, it's a, it's a, as much as any song, um, the, the, the youth who had, you know, the, some of the, had lost their political virginity. I mean, the, the like the, some of what's, what's shot, we're, we're sort of immune to that now. I, I, I hope we are in terms of the sort of that, you know, your government might, might not be doing the right thing, or you might be, you know, not being told the truth by, um, those in power. Um, you know, the kind of the, it's hard to, it's hard to, you, you think of the psychic break in 10 years, um, the assassinations, the, the uh, um, MLK Kennedy's, like the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the students and, 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 you know, I think Crosby, Nash Young managed to capture that spirit of uh, just the, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. I don't think we'll ever go back there because we'll never be that naive again. I mean, maybe we will, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But uh, um, <laughs> the 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 disenchantment, right, is so deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so it's a you know a big part of the film. Um, Nixon uh, in the film, it's it's quite dramatic. You know, he's 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 talking about uh, Vietnam and and blah blah blah. He's got the map out and and he gets the big yardstick out and he just slaps it right on Cambodia and says, "We bombed the hell out of these people." And then they cut to you know, kind of aerial uh, yeah. you know, kind of stock footage of Classic. B-52 bombs falling and uh let, let me see here. They um this is based on Operation Menu. So 18 March 1969 to May 26, 1970. Um, in the so that that's just Operation Menu. That's so that's slightly over a year long. Overall, Cambodia alone had 230,516 estimated sorties on 113 plus thousand sites, dropping two million seven hundred fifty plus thousand tons of ordnance. Okay, so for frame of reference, the Allies. Cumulatively dropped two million tons in World War Two total. Okay, so little Cambodia, which is the size of like Missouri, had two point seven five million tons of ordnance dropped on it. Yeah, the 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 scale of <clears throat> so just <laughs> again to say that again, um, countries that we were not at war with, like Cambodia and Laos, were become the most heavily bombed places on the planet. Um, the collateral damage of 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 the Vietnam conflict puts puts th- of, of course Vietnam as well, but all of Indochina in direct line of fire of these massive carpet bombings. Um, and people find out find out about this, and it, you know the news is essential. Um, it's not fake. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fake then, Matt. It was you know it it, it exposes every night. Um, you know, people are people watch the same news programs and uh, have to reconcile the <clears throat> what is happening. And they start asking, you know, what we didn't want to be in Vietnam. What now we're invading Cambodia? Like, what is happening? And uh, yeah, 
it's a pretty huge. I mean, Nixon disputes that. We're not invading. We're just you know pursuing the right. Um, right. Yeah. Now, now you know things like Kent. Uh, Kent State's obviously mentioned. Jackson State is mentioned in the film. Um, the the a real famous, maybe I shouldn't say real famous, a real overlooked one, maybe um, a big clash between protesters in New York City and construction workers. Um, oh. That is kind of known as the Hard Hat Riot. It took place on May eighth. Yeah, that's crazy. So, one. so the Hard Hat Riot. I mean, once again, this gets back to you know these Hard Hat. Construction workers it would have been firmly in union pocket, like Democratic, right? Before. Democrats, yeah, and they, they are, but they're supporting Nixon, uh, and they're at least against this protest. You know, they see this as sort of out of control, mob rule sort of thing. Uh, so what do they do? They put on their they put on their hard hats and they go out and thump these and they, teenagers, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So so it's um, a it's a it's a chaotic scene, which is the way it was. In the late 60s or yeah. 70s. I, I should mention that their timeline, it seems to be wrong because, you know, they, they mentioned Jackson State and the Hard Hat Riots. Both those take place after Kent, or Kent State. Uh, and then they cut to Nixon meeting with some wounded veterans, and then Kent State happens in the film. Uh, and then yeah. they cut to the Potomac, which Nixon used to go out on the kind of, you know, it's pretty cool, like the presidential sort of yacht sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I was I was just thinking that. Do they have that anymore? Because it's hard to imagine, like, for security purposes, so. I don't think you could go out on a... They wouldn't put the president on a yacht on the Potomac anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, Nixon and his close advisors and Kissinger, and, you know, Nixon's not taking Kent State seriously. You know, they're, they sprinkle in, and they do this throughout the movie, these little kind of buzzwords, keywords, you know. He starts talking about, you know, triangulation. Triangulation is... Nixon's foreign policy to kind of use uh, the Soviet Union, China, uh, and Vietnam, and North Vietnam kind of, in a way, against each other and against their interests to help U.S. interests. Um, and they actually give a decent summary about it uh, of it in the in the film. Um, talk about potentially recognizing China. Uh, and then he says, if Cambodia doesn't work, we'll bomb Hanoi if we have to. And if necessary, I'll drop the big one, meaning nuclear weapon. Yeah, we um, Matt dug up a good archival clip of, of, of Nixon talking about the nuclear bomb on, in Indochina. And the, the, the audio is really bad. Um, so We'll spare your ears. Yeah, we'll but. spare your ears. But um, that... Uh, any audio files out there want to want to take that file and clean it up? That's a pretty big one. Um, yeah, I think the Nixon Library is in the process of uh, attempting to redo some of their clean up some of their their files, audio files. Um, so maybe there, there's kind of a there's kind of a, a classic. Um, you know, again, it's like I, it, it, there's a scene in here where the protest Nixon goes to the Lincoln Memorial and is pensive and is is really thinking about like. What's what's going on? And uh, there's there's of course student um, protesters and students there um, who surround him immediately and, and engage him. It, it we'll never know what actually happened there because um, I was thinking now that would be on everyone's you know TikTok like the <laughs> it would be yeah they would be they would be capturing that moment. Um, but, okay, but so this is interesting because now Nixon recorded his own 
Vers- just this is before the taping system started. So this is what was the date of this? It was just a few days after Kent State. But um, so like he, May seventy or something. Yeah. So he a few days after he goes at four a.m. to the Lincoln Memorial. He records his kind of recollection of what happened there to audio tapes. You can actually hear maybe three days after the event him talking about what happened there. And the papers, of course, track down a lot of the students that talk to him. And and the way the film shows it, oh, he's, oh, where do you go to school? Syracuse. Oh, Orangeman, football, right? Yeah, okay. And um, that's what the Robin Robin Williams phone in there? That was that's a very is that Robin Williams? Yeah, it was very Robin Williams uh 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 Nixon there. Oh, right. oh thank I uh I'm not quite hairy enough okay. to be Robin Williams um blast from the past from this podcast. Yeah. Uh but um yeah, you know, it's it's just kind of talking, not Nixon says we have the same goal, we both want peace. Um, but they the students are not, you know, obviously agreeing with his methods. Now I mentioned he had the secret plan. I, I totally glossed over this eric if you don't mind me jumping back yeah for sure i should maybe should explain what the secret plan turned out to be right drum roll uh do you have a drum roll oh i thought you had a fancy button to push okay it's low budget um july 1969 he announces the this program for vietnamization and so what vietnamization is is a, a gradual removal of u.s troops and replace them with trained south vietnamese troops um, and this is kind of done within the context of sort of the grand U.S.-Soviet relationship, and that's Nixon's major focus is foreign policy. Um, so, but as troops leave and come home, the bombing is going to increase and go up. But, you know, with within, you know, pretty short period of time, the troops do start coming home. Um, within a year, within not even a year, April 1970, they're already down 100,000 100, fewer U.S. troops are in Vietnam from the peak of you know nearly six hundred thousand. So, uh, th- and that'll that'll continue throughout the rest of the war. So that's the secret plan. Spoiler alert: it's not secret now. But <laughs> right, Matt, let the way to let the cat out of the bag. Um, speaking yeah. of letting the cat out of the bag, the the Pentagon Papers um, figure are sort of a, uh, another massive character that um, um, you know by by Ellsberg and these these you know the. The, it kind of shows that the paranoia, I think it does a decent job of Nixon um, was um, obsessed with his enemies, um, unlike other presidents. And, and he, you know, constantly, um, you know, then this was sort of exhibit A. Who are some of the enemies? <laughs> well. You got that one? Yeah, so Matt, let's listen in on uh, who some of those enemies are. The professors. So, 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 for those who maybe the audio wasn't as clear, like what what does he say that him and Kissinger? Uh, yeah. So the press is the enemy. The press is the enemy. The establishment is the enemy. Not just the press, the establishment. The, 
professors are the enemy. Yeah. And then uh, Kissinger chimes in with, uh, well, uh, I'm a professor. I, I, I'm uh, not sure, uh, but I As agree on professor. the first part. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so unlike, unlike where, where that we don't hear unlike that any other president, he's obsessed with the press. I mean, as the enemies, they they'll they're they're gonna lie, and sort of never never give him a fair shake. Um, Can you imagine if he said that like in front of like a camera and like and people could like see the president saying that the press is the enemy? I mean, I mean, this is Nixon behind closed doors. I can't. Ima- can you imagine if the I can't, president I said can't, that like in public? I can't imagine it. It's it would just never happen. Um. So yeah, that's not, I'm, I'm in bizarro world. I think I yeah, don't know. Yeah, sorry. So uh, you know, stop these leaks at at any cost. And then you see some sort of again, kind of a, a bit of a montage version. But I mean, what else is he supposed to do? Like uh, for for Oliver Stone, but you know, we need to create our own intelligence unit inside the White House. And um, you know, there's there's leaks. So so Matt, if you got leaks, who do you bring in to to plug those leaks? Uh, I would bring in like a water repair person. <laughs> That's right, the plumbers. Um, oh, yeah. So Damn. yeah, for those for those, if you haven't uh, uh, put two and two together, that's why the uh, um, the the team at the uh, uh, in, in the in the White House the, the break in are called the plumbers because they're plugging leaks, right? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 just it's just great like that's uh uh top shelf stuff but they're um you know he's uh, uh I like how they're having this uh con- this, they're having this conversation like during his wa- daughter's wedding right in the film <laughs> so, is that right I think so yeah or or, yeah. or right yeah 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 no and and he also says uh, you know Nixon's like look there the Vietnamese like they just uh, like uh, this were happening you know so they got a sniper in the village like. They just line everyone up and they just they just start shooting them until like, hey, we gotta like you know, we gotta um, hit them at all costs. Like that, he's fantasizing that if only we could take the gloves off like that, Matt. Um, that's the. Uh, I mean, is that hyperbole, right? I mean, that's that's I guess something one says like. That's kind of what they did in the Phoenix program. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Should I talk about? Should I should I explain that Phoenix program? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure. The uh, of course the inf- oh sure, <laughs> round up the uh, Viet Cong suspects, uh, interrogate them. So this is like a cooperation between the South Vietnamese uh, Army and the CIA, right? Because 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 the, 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 the Viet Cong are are infiltrating the South, and you don't know where they are, and those pesky villagers are not telling you who is who. So so bring in yeah. the Phoenix program. So round them up. Uh, many are of course assassinated, illegally arrested. Um, Prisoners are held without trial. Tortures often used, uh, etc. So there you go, Phoenix program. Yeah, so uh, that happened. Um, CIA heavily involved in in that, and um, you know, flash forward to uh, interrogation techniques at Abu Ghraib, yeah. etc. This is uh, this is all part and parcel of that. Um, so uh, the the film he does take he does take us on a magic carpet ride through. Um, you know, like uh, Nixon's visit to China um, is a kind of a. Oh, you missed the cockfight. <laughs> okay, I go. <laughs> <laughs> you you uh, you like that? That's your that's it. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, uh, I I was just thinking about the Seinfeld episode. 
they have the <laughs> yeah yeah that's true yeah there's little jerry seinfeld and uh, <laughs> they bring in the ringer <laughs> yeah look that up kids uh uh good stuff um so no but they they go so anyways the the they're down in miami looking and howard hunt and g gordon liddy are looking to recruit recruit cubans and uh yes so that's that's why they're showing a uh cockfight i did like nixon shortly after that he's talking about making plans to go to um key biscayne florida which you know to put it in a reference you might understand let's say it's like the mar-a-lago of its time uh and so he would go there fairly often um it seems like his wife did not know that he was going to go and so she she says, "Can't we go Can to go? down to Key Biscayne together?" And he says, "No, uh, because I, I have to relax." I have to re- <laughs> like, ouch! Yeah, that was. Uh, I I thought that too. I thought like, and I was I was nodding along with him, like, "Yeah, I get that." Oh. Um, Jess doesn't listen to this podcast, thankfully. She does not listen to this podcast. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's when she starts putting the moves on him. Yeah, and he says, I, "I don't need that. I'm, I'm not Jack Kennedy." Yeah, stop putting your hand. And then he goes buddy. on another one of his famous rants about his enemies. So, anyways, there. Yeah, now China. You want to do China? Yeah, yeah. I mean, me I mean, um, China's a big China's a big deal. I mean, this is it's sort of like in in the in is everybody talking about it? Everyone is talking about it. if you if you um, sort of like with you know LBJ. If you ignore Vietnam or if you ignore you know if if uh, if you ignore a lot, if you ignore a lot things. of things, um, China is a pretty significant um, opening um, and a, and a, and a move by Nixon, which is to that that a serious Cold War foe um, of the United States. You know, the, the United States was right. obsessed with losing China in the fifties, and that that sense that if we had done more, we could have prevented those dominoes from we could prevent those dominoes from falling. Like it it, it had so been a specter in. Um, U.S. Yep. Foreign, foreign policy, right? It can't can't be overemphasized, and so now he's. But this is part of triangulation. Um, I mean, at this point, relations between the Soviet Union and China are like essentially in tatters. Um, but both of them are still aiding North Vietnam. So Nixon wants to exploit those relationships. That's triangulation, and so let's go to let's go to China and see if we can do that. Um, for you know, he wants to go. Maybe he can. Um, uh, induce China to abandon Vietnam. He offers China trade. He offers them uh, a rec- recognition um, and essentially plays them as a counterweight to the Soviet Union. So relations aren't going to be normalized until Jimmy Carter, but this is the opening of that door. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's so it's a pretty significant, you know, and, and you know, the, the motives are obviously in, as Nixon sees them in the self-interest of the United States for that opening, but it's 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 not an insignificant foreign policy coup um, to 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 crack open that relationship with China yeah. and um, this is where he was at his best. Um, like if you you know talking about like big time ideas, big time foreign policy with big players. Um, and I you could argue he was successful in that sort of stuff. Um, you know he and that's what he cared about, and that's what he focused on. So if you have something like you know. Coup in Chile that the United States is supporting. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, the global south, right? He doesn't care that much about that stuff, and the United States track record during his administration is no good, let's say. Um, but in 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 this sort of stuff, um, and we'll, we can maybe touch on the Soviet Union, because that comes up a little later in the film. Um, some successes there, too. 
Yeah, and and so it's uh, you know it, it's it's tough for this film because it um, it it tries to do all things, which is to to kind of a biography of Richard Nixon essentially, but also have you know sort of the the spun out Watergate as the you know which is which is its own um, obviously animal and its own. Um, Can you tell why that movie was three hours and forty five minutes long? Yeah, so it's There's a lot to cover. <laughs> it there there is there is a lot uh almost as long as this podcast episode's going to end up being <laughs> yeah well you know we're 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 trying to, we're, we'll we'll crack into that which is why um <laughs> no no we have we have plenty of gold for you like this what you what you think of the mao in this uh in that stone cast he he looks so much like mao i think it was mao <laughs> i mean it was it was crazy like i i was um I thought I need to Google who that guy is because like it was, it was really kind of a, an obviously a, a professional Mao impersonator because uh, he looks <laughs> so much like him. Yeah. Yeah. He's ripping on the Vietnamese and the Russians. They're both dogs. You know, <laughs> he's giving Kissinger props for getting all the hot chicks and which is a, a thing, especially big in like the press and everything that they're attracted to power. <laughs> whatever he says uh it's the, it's the ultimate aphrodisiac matthew yeah yeah um all right but now i got a i got a i got an issue now coming up cuz okay oh, yeah. this is february 72 and then they cut briefly to the christmas bombings in vietnam okay so this is also known as operation linebacker 2 and they show this kind of with this stock news footage sort of stuff, and then they cut back to Nixon on a plane coming back from China. So I'm seeing some timeline issues here. So yeah, that's uh, that conversation is December fourteenth of seventy two, and the bombing starts December eighteenth. So this is they're in the middle of intense negotiations in about two months prior to this. It seems like they have a breakthrough and they've got a peace deal, and two in the South won't sign off on it. Um, so Nixon goes back in. And this is going to be the heaviest bombing of the entire war, okay? Bombing of the North. Um, half a million are evacuated from Hanoi. Uh, and this is just massive B-52 bombing runs. It's 11 days total. There's a one-day halt on December 25th. And essentially, he wants to do something shocking, right? He wants to play into this madman right, theory. Right, like, right, like, let's act crazy, so we gotta, we got to deal with this guy because he could, he might do anything. Yeah. This is another part of his foreign policy is, you know— Let's make him seem sort of unhinged. 
and the other side will be like, well, maybe he might nuke us or something, so we got to kind of play back, play ball a little bit. Um, yeah, he he just wants to do something shocking, right? He's not concerned about international criticism, which he's going to get. He's not concerned about domestic criticism, which he which he's going to get. Uh, there's a high loss rate of B-52s, um, estimated 1,300-plus are killed in Hanoi during the Christmas bombings. Um, there you go. That's Christmas bombings. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and so and so that's a that you know obviously that's a major part of the um, the, the what we what we when we think just when we think the war is it might be winding down, troop levels are going down in the seventies. We have you know again these 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 high peaks um, that hit. Um, will there will there the, the, this is the, there will never be another. Um, concentration like this, right? This is the this is the high water mark in terms of in terms of bombing in Vietnam by the U.S. Oh yeah, I mean th- using the mass B fifty two bombing runs yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So so this is uh, again, um, you know, and uh, and I think I think right after this in the in the movie, you know, the 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 sort of the, the Dallas Club is. Uh, group is pushing uh, Nixon against Etan. I have uh, Psychofest written down in mine. Yeah, what? You had Dallas Dallas Club in yours? Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, so more of the same <laughs> from them. The Birchers, the Cubans. Um, yeah, um, and and uh, and then um, complaining about the EPA. Oh right, right. <laughs> oh, and he he has some good derogatory comments about. Uh, 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 let's say West Asian oil producers. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't, what does he say? Yeah, uh, yeah I don't think sh- you can repeat uh, that. Like, yeah, it's a, yeah, something that I'm not going to repeat. But uh, yeah, say that Matt. <laughs> Matt believes. Where's Troy? Where's Troy? <laughs> so the, um, you know, the the again the forces, you know, it's showing it's showing Nixon getting buffeted by um, even even those on his own side. Um, and uh, we, it's it sows a lot of seeds at this point of of Kissinger, of kind of the you know the 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 not so latent anti semitism um, and the kind of Kissinger's never kind of for the as the, you know love him or hate him a skilled politician um, and statesman uh, you know the, the 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 loathing was real and the kind of uh, again the. Nixon was both Jewish and, you know, uh, sort of an, uh, an Ivy League elitist. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought you know, half the time when they're talking, I'm like, Kissinger's right there. To, you know, <laughs> you're saying these things about yeah <laughs> about Jews and about elites. Like he's right there. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. If there's a real good book, Jeremy Surrey. Um, I'm forgetting the title of it, but it's it's about Kissinger, so it might be titled Kissinger something something. Book of the week. No, 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 it's not the book of the week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can you can Google that, uh, and it talks about the kind of the Jewishness of Kissinger and how that sort of informs uh, and his Jewish background, how that informs his foreign policy. Um, yeah, and you have a you have you know, Haldeman and others, just like you know, really like sort of classic kind of. Henry Ford, oh, international yeah. Jew kind of stuff, like racism about, like, you know, these Eastern Europeans, they come over here and they just steal and they... Well, he you know. said he said no offense, Henry, right after he said all <laughs> right. that stuff, though. So. Right. 
like it, it's it's the equivalent of like I'm not a racist, but so whenever whenever anyone said just a word to our listeners, whenever anyone says I'm not a racist, but they're about to say something super racist. So um, yeah, just uh, it's, it's a it's it's a dog whistle. It's a reverse dog whistle. Yeah, um, should be for for non racist people. Um, Kissinger, the the peace talks um, happen. Yeah, you want real quick on the peace talks? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Let's get let's yeah. Uh, cause so so they had been suspended. Yeah, so they had been suspended. Um, after and um, they they resume post Christmas bombing, and it's kind of there's this very somber atmosphere, obviously surrounding them. Um, Kissinger lets Nixon know on January 11th that there's like kind of a, um an agreement is imminent. And this version of the agreement is almost identical to the previous one. Um, the agreement stipulated that Vietnam was one country with two governments. They will move toward reconciliation. Prisoner of war will be released. American troops will leave. North Vietnam can remain in the South, North Vietnamese troops. So the South is not happy about this. Okay, they were not happy about this in earlier iteration of the agreement. They're not happy about this final version. But, and you know, two makes that known. Nixon says, hey, we're done, basically. Um, so, you know, if you look at them as two separate countries, the peace agreement says North Vietnam can keep their troops in the country of South Vietnam as part of the peace agreement. Um, so you can see why maybe the South felt like they were getting screwed over by the United States in these negotiations. Um, Wait, are you, know, you are you are you are you saying that the that the United States was not a um, straight ahead ally of also South Vietnam in, in this? Is that, is that what you're trying to tell me, Matt? I'm saying they cut and run after you know a long eight years, but um, yeah, they let you know. Uh, Interesting kind of coda on this. January 26th, 1973, LBJ dies. Next day, the uh, peace deal is signed. And 600 POW, American POWs are released then at that point. Um, so that is your your quick and dirty kind of yeah. peace negotiations yeah, so, sum- summary. So it's, uh, um, you know, obviously I've seen next, uh, Vietnam plays a, plays a, a, a large part in this in the in the story because um you know the yeah. the the pentagon papers are are a major impetus for the plumbers to start fix to, to start um fixing the leaks and the right you know it sets it's it sets right. them on a path um which don't even deal with nixon they deal with yeah, they right. they the <laughs> pentagon papers go up through 1967 so before Nixon's even president. Yeah, I mean, that's what's, you know, like in, in terms of like thinking about a what if saying like if Nixon had all the opportunity in the world to say like, see, those idiots in the military were lying to you um, about. Or the Democrats or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, we, we knew we couldn't win the war. Yeah. And this is why you elected me to come and like just just like not or, or not saying anything or like um, it's a, it's a it's kind of. It, it, Instead, let's firebomb the. Brookings Institute. 
Let's uh, break into the psychiatrist's office of Daniel Ellsberg. Let's. That's a bit awkward. Um, it's. A, I mean, there's a long. Um, I mean, that doesn't even get into the stuff with the campaign in 1972, like planting, um, planting campaign Democratic campaign literature on the uh, guy that tried to assassinate George Wallace. Oh uh, yeah. You know, breaking into his apartment and putting, <laughs> putting it there. Um, the fake memos on yeah that's Eagleton right fake memos on Eagleton stationery that they were sending around and stuff um, and oh I mean read um, the boys on the bus or is a great Book of campaign the week. Of, oh God boys on the bus is a great book on the seventy two campaign and if you want to get out there a little bit and you like your little Hunter S Thompson he fear and loathing on the campaign trail. Yeah, the the uh, fearing loathing on the campaign trail is a Hunter S. Thompson book. I haven't I haven't read that. Is it good? Is it good? It's got to be good, right? Yeah, is it a book of the week? Oh, okay. Book of the week. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Hunter S. Thompson, who was a correspondent on that on that uh, campaign. So check those out for like crazy campaign shenanigans. You know, in in so many ways, the the. The situation we find ourselves, you know, we, this this podcast is about is about the you know Vietnam War through film. Um, is Matt and I know the 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 people who who trained us, the generations of or that we read. The, the Vietnam War was so um, pivotal for them. It, it it defined and and it you know it it, it changed. Um, uh, uh, I, I, I talk about a you know talk about a huge shift in. Um, you know, it's the first war we've lost. It's the first war that you know. You know, I think. Well, war of eighteen twelve, maybe. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's true. We we we. Well, I mean, you know, it's just. And maybe Korea. Yeah. Well, it's more more of a more, yeah. Okay. You know, that's a complicated man. Like okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said maybe. maybe. I said maybe. maybe. Yeah. So um, no. Yeah. The. <laughs> The war to end slavery and racism. Like we I think we lost that one. Uh, lost that. Yeah. So just so p- pivotal to, you know, how how we we were trained that that prior generation and, um, uh, you know, to me raised by hippies, um, you know, pivotal my my youth and uh, why do you think I listen to Neil Young a lot? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's get back to it though. Though, so now Nixon uh, beats McGovern. I mentioned huge landslide, um, and then you know he gets the news about the peace. They got um, a pre- press conference talking about the p- peace deal. Press not really all that interested in the, how it's portrayed in the film, at least in the peace deal. They just want to talk about Watergate. Nixon's getting real pissed, and he kind of storms off, and then he shoves Ron Ziegler, his press secretary you know, take care of it, Ron, and he just shoves him back. Was that Robin Williams? Yeah, 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 it was okay, yeah. Take care of it, Ron. And then he shoves him back in, you know, to talk to the press. Now, that is based on a real thing, too. Um, Now, that is, in real life, the incident, I think it was like in Miami or something like that. I know it was outdoors, someplace sunny. But, you know, you can can Google this. It was uh, was Four Seasons Landscaping? No, nobody would hold a press conference at a landscaping company, please. Um, but yeah, he's, sh- you know, l- you can see it on the actual footage, him grabbing him by the shoulders and shoving him to like get back and talk to the press <laughs> while he's walking away 
So they reproduce that really cool in the film with uh, little little things like that, like the the little stuff. Yeah, Stone gets it. He, I mean, Stone does a great job of getting like getting those sort of things. And yeah, and then Hopkins, the mannerisms um, he really has, you know, like a lot of those down. Like if you watch those Nixon oh, tapes, yeah. he really. I, yeah, yeah, he's a great actor. So. He doesn't look like Nixon, but he is. He's got Nixon down definitely. Um. So we got another rant about Kennedy's, a uh, ton of more anti-Semitism, going after Kissinger. Uh-huh. Um, got to throw, all right, got to throw Mitchell under the bus, who's his former attorney general, who's then switches to becoming kind of working, a, I think he's head of the campaign to reelect. Um, and um, then we get Niles, Niles Crane, um, making a payment to Hunt, also known as John Dean. Yeah, let's listen to uh, one of the uh, smoking guns here, Matt. Where are the soft spots on this? Well, first of all, there's there's the problem of the continued blackmail, which will not only go on now, it'll go on when these people are in prison, and it will compound the obstruction of justice situation. So the the, the blackmail is right that the, the... the, the referencing Howard Hunt and and others that are demanding money because they are Watergate the plump the, the plumbers aren't talking yeah right they're not talking but they're going to jail right and so they're going to be a liability forever it would cost money it's dangerous nobody people around here are not pros to something that's sort of thing mafia people can do washing money getting clean money and things like that uh, here pause that real quick um I, I if it would be like if a president had like actual mafia ties, like like say like his former like lawyer was like connected like with the New York mafia, for example, like that would be really. But weird. it's only but it's only in the it's only in the Nixon administration where his uh, people who had served in in his administration go to prison in droves. So um, that's the only one I think. I think that's the. It's not like, yeah, it's not like every campaign manager. For you know, a president's like been indicted or anything like that. I mean, that would be really weird. <laughs> we just don't know about oh, it. We're not used, you know, we're not criminals. We're not used to dealing in that business. It's a, it's a, it's a tough thing to know how to do. That's right. It's a real problem as to whether we can even do it. How do you pay those people? A real people? problem money. Uh, Mitchell has been working on raising some money, uh, feeling he's got, you know, he's got one, he's one of the ones the most to lose. Uh, but there's no denying the fact that the White House and How much money do you need? It's going to cost a million dollars over the next two years. We could get that, makes sense. There you go. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty damning. I can see why he didn't want that tape out. <laughs> yeah, um, you know the 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 very public um, airing of this um, of of the Watergate investigations was a was a kind of a jarring for the nation, but a, a proud moment of sort of transparency. 
uh, in in uh, in and and democracy, um, and would set in motion uh, safeguards that we would never have to worry about these kinds of things again. <laughs> Foolproof. I mean, the the key line in that is uh, in that tape that we just played. That's a March twenty first tape. John Dean and Nixon. Um, There's a cancer on the presidency, and it's growing. Um, that's kind of the you know the kind of memorable line from that, and. Right after that, Nixon says, all right, Dean, why don't you go up to Camp David for the weekend, and I want you to write a report <laughs> that, that includes everything that you know about Watergate in it. And right at that point, I think Dean was kind of like, oh, he's got to throw me you want, the You want me to take the fall for this? Yeah. And <laughs> Yeah. And so soon after that, Haldeman and Ehrlichman are fired. Uh, that, was, that firing was done at Camp David. That was... Um, they they don't show the actual firing in the film, um, but they 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 talk about you know they show kind of the aftermath of Haldeman watching it on TV or whatever. In real life, you know, it was Nixon kind of talked about it as kind of one of the toughest days of his life. There's tons of tears shed, and um, you know had to let them go. And I I think he really didn't didn't want to, but you know at this point he was. Sort of, sort of desperate. Um, okay, so coming off the heels of that, uh, there's a, a dinner scene with Pat. Uh, Nixon is kind of continuing to become unhinged. Um, you know, drinking a bit of booze uh, again, yelling at Pat. Uh, in that that the theme of uh, Nixon and alcohol, I don't know, comes up at a few points in the film. Um, let's let's take a look. Uh, let's. I want to give you a kind of a recap of a transcript of a phone conversation between Secretary of State Henry Kissinger and President's Deputy Assistant for National Security Affairs, Brent Scowcroft. Uh, so take it away, Henry. Hello. This is Henry. The The switchboard just got a call from 10 Downing Street to inquire whether the president would be available for a call within 30 minutes from the prime minister. The subject would be the Middle East. Can we tell them no? When I talked to the president, he was loaded. We could tell him the president is not available and perhaps he can call you. I will be at Mr. Braden's and the president will be available tomorrow morning our time. And scene. And scene. Uh, well, <laughs> thanks Henry for calling in and being willing to do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a sport. I'm a professor, you're a professor, so we talk to him professor to professor and he right, appreciate that. Because all professors, yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, he, no, he can't come to the phone. He's wasted right now. Um, and I think that was right when the Arab-Israeli conf- uh, conflict was yeah starting. There's, there's a- there are a few incidents when like Nixon, you know, super drunk in like 1969, and uh, there was almost like a nuclear war scare with uh, North Korea. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, I can't, you know, a few times I can't remember where in the film. Maybe it's the beginning, but it like that where, where also there's Nixon. Um, at uh, he's got a pill bottle and it's like he's like you know angrily messing with the childproof calf and then they like like you know a hundred like how president how doll yeah. fly into the air and uh and all over the ground and uh yeah it's uh you know again the um uh, do, do we do we know about his uh his indulgence matt like was it, was uh, I think toward the end, I think it was increasing, and, and he was, you know, behaviorally becoming more erratic. He was, you know, watching the movie Patton like on repeat, basically, essentially every night in the White House movie theater, and um, yeah, he was, you know, 
under a lot of pressure and stress, and you know, I get that, and that's why I'm glad I'm not. Uh, He's buckling like under the these uh, these criminal probes. Let's hear another cut from Nixon. Somewhere, Richard Nixon is going, I am a crook, but at least there was only one Watergate. How does Trump find the time? <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird minute moment of forethought that Nixon has to, uh, to the future site that he's able to, uh, to, to peer forward in, in, and maybe um, inhabit that space that a, that, a, that a future inhabitant of the White House might, um, might occupy. Yeah, I mean, along those lines, for no reason really whatsoever, um, you know, an interesting, you know, this is post-presidency for Nixon, so I'm, I'm jumping ahead of where the film ends at. But uh, he wrote a letter to uh, a New York, uh, failed New York businessman by the name of Donald <laughs> Trump, um, November 21st, 1987. Um, so, dear Donald, uh, and he credited Pat Nixon for predicting that uh, whenever you decide to run for office, you'll be a winner. With warm regards, sincerely. R-M-N. Richard Milhouse. Yeah. Wow, he does. He does. uh, He predicts the future. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, um, you know, and the uh, Nixon, um, as as all presidents do, um, the weight of of the responsibility of the office, um, even even under criminal act, can, can... bears upon them and they decide to do what's best for the country. And in Nixon's case, um, he decides to resign. Um, and, uh, the, uh, the, his, yeah, the hearings are bearing down on him. You know, the Watergate. you know, these are the kind of televised Watergate hearings. And my, my dad told me he would go home after working at the golf court, get a golf course, you know, landscaping in the morning and watch him every day all summer, 1973. And, um, it was uh, it was there that Niles Crane threw him under the bus. Yeah, and and I mean John Dean, John Dean, and they uh, yeah, you know the the and a and a brave, um, you know Republican, um, you know party leaders were able to also sort of, um, do what's right and and encourage the president um to to you know to not put the democracy in harm's way. Yeah. Um, and so that will happen again. And uh, Nixon, should we listen to to a bit of his uh, resignation speech match? Here, let me real quick before you do that. There is a another one of those kind of mini odes to historical accuracy that I want oh, yeah, yeah. to point out. That's in the film that Stone gets in there. That so so Nixon is is rushed to the hospital in the film, um, and this is you know the most like overly dramatic you know scene it's like once again kind of a montage of like flashbacks to his mom and his dying brothers and like various aspects of his presidency and blah 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 but when they're rushing into the hospital you know he's on the the kind of the gurney or whatever um al haig who's now his um chief of staff after haldeman is is thrown to the curb he he's in front of the of the gurney running in and says i'm in control here okay and <laughs> what is that referencing that's a reference to after ronald reagan's the attempted assassination of ronald reagan yeah 1981 al haig is secretary of state and the, he says i'm in control right didn't so, didn't read the know, constitution reagan is incapacitated <laughs> 
in the in the in the hospital and Haig, you know, famously says, I'm in control. Um and somebody whispers so, to him, oh, you know, actually that's not the way that <laughs> Well, he says, Well, the vice president is not here right now, so I'm in control, you know. But uh it's, it's I didn't it's I didn't I didn't catch like that, that in the film. That's funny. <laughs> little yeah. Easter egg for yeah. the fans. Um little Easter yeah. egg. Yeah. Yeah, that, so but yeah, that that scene is is just it's almost too much um, of of the overly dramatic stuff, and and then we kind of have the disintegration of Nixon at the end, coming to the realization it's over. Um, you know, he's blasting some Steely Dan pretzel logic on the record player while Haig tells him it's time to resign, and he wasn't actually playing, that. <laughs> but that came out in 1974, so I thought I should reference it. Yeah, and so let's listen to his speech of August 8th, uh, 1974, a bit of it. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. America needs a full-time president and a full-time Congress, particularly at this time with problems we face at home and abroad, to continue to fight through the months ahead for my personal vindication would almost totally absorb the time and attention of both the President and the Congress in a period when our entire focus should be on the great issues of peace abroad and prosperity without inflation at home. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president at that hour in this office. We are being censored. Yeah, that's heavy. America's new... Um, Later, Dick. <laughs> yeah, the... the uh, little dick move. Um, the... Um, yeah, if you, talk, if you talk to anyone who, um, you know, sort of who was above 10 years old at that age, like that, that's, you know, where were you nine 11? Where were you? That's you know, that the moment, um, Nixon resigns is such an incredible, like shock. Where were you? You were probably like 25 by then. Right. <laughs> I was, I was two years old. So I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, um, jamming out to some Led Zeppelin and, uh, w- watching the, uh, <laughs> sort of Watergate hearings and just, um, you know, um, <laughs> I think that was my dad, but yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No. So, so I, I don't, I don't remember. I'm not that old, but uh, he also does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, it's a, um, so it's a, it's a moving and shocking speech. Um, just a moment in, in, in American history. He res- he oh, resigns yeah. first time, only time ever president resigning. So, um, yeah. And, um, and so, uh, you know, and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, Stone, it does a pretty great job if you watch the, if you watch the footage of this and if you watch the footage, especially that we'll, we'll, and in the outro, we'll play some of this and let it trail off that in, in Nixon's farewell address to the White House staff, like it's, it's kind of, uh, it's a, I, I don't want to say not to romanticize it, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's touching almost like the, you know, here's a guy who has um, his his rise and fall have been epic and um, and this sort of soliloquy at the end of it is almost Shakespearean. The you know his sort of 
his reminiscences and and the kind of and and still will you know he he he's an adult and knows that he needs to say things to you know heal to salve a pretty wounded country um is that a tear in your yeah, eyes i mean you know me? let's wow we, you're very touched we, by we this. deserve a better cra- class of criminal man is all i'm saying <laughs> we're, we're better than this united states bring back you know bring back nixon yeah we're the best and the brightest <sighs> we need them they would never lead us into harm's way. Yeah, and so, um, so we we uh, we'll we'll save our 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 dong rating for the film. You got to listen to part two to check that out. We got to because Matt and I give our uh, Matt and I give our 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 ratings, but um, uh, as does uh, Heath Lee. But um, we do have a little special segment we like to call Book of, of the Week. week. Yeah, Matt. What do you what do you got in store? Thanks, Mark and Mira. That's right. Uh, Matt, in addition to being a, uh, I thought thought your kids were professor. Asleep. He's uh, he's been a homes. How's how's the homeschool teaching uh, full time going, Matt? Um, it's going it's going fantastic. Thank you. All right, what's our book of the week? Going great, going great. Yeah, 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 book of the week. All right, Jeffrey Kimball, Nixon's Vietnam War. Uh, that's, I think, topical for a podcast on <laughs> the Vietnam War and Richard Nixon. So um, we kind of look here, Kimball looks at uh, the evolving sort of diplomatic positions of Nixon, Kissinger, and sort of the latter half of the war in Vietnam and his goal is, you know, despite knowing that American soldiers could not stay, that the war is not something that can be won militarily, is to preserve the South Vietnamese government of two. Uh, spoiler alert, that does not happen. And, you know, look for a settlement with the North. So that's, that's according to Kimball, that's the goal of Nixon. And uh, there's a lot of great details on the peace negotiations, um, he uses sources from both sides uh, for that, and it's it's really a, a pretty good insider look at the mindset of the man who both escalated and then ended America, well, at that point, America's longest war. And um, Nixon is presented as kind of the Cold War realist. Kissinger is as well. That's certainly uh, quite accurate. And yeah, so it's a uh, pretty good book, and you know supremely detailed he is uh not you know he's he's critical when when deserved and uh with respect to vietnam i think you could argue he is deserves criticism often and he gives it to him fairly often so um check that out jeffrey kimball nixon's vietnam war i'll have that link up on our twitter page at Napalm Podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's say we've already we've already uh, we've already uh, previewed it, but uh, stay tuned for episode two and let's uh, let's play us out to a little um, Nixon farewell to the White House staff. We want you to continue to serve in government if that is your wish. Always give your best. Never get discouraged. Never be petty. Always remember, 
others may hate you. But those who hate you don't win unless you hate them. And then you destroy yourself. And so we leave with high hopes, in good spirit, and with deep humility, and with very much gratefulness in our hearts. I can only say to each and every one of you, we come from many faiths. We pray, perhaps, to different gods, but really the same God, in a sense. But I want to say for each and every one of you, not only will we always remember you,